0: You got to get, you get your coffee hot, Autumn. And that's kind of the whole deal here, all right?
1: Do you have it on a... Oh, yeah, we always
0: record. No, you. do
1: you have it... You don't have your coffee on a warmer?
0: Oh, I forgot. Shoot. Jeez. Oh,
1: no. There's one right there.
0: <gasps> I need For one my one. Christian audience, I did not say uh, any bad words.
1: You said shoot, right? I said
0: shoot. To Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name Good Coffee with Great Conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. Hey, welcome to Coffee and Conversation. I am your host, the host, Larry Vincent. And with me this season, as always, is my co host, Autumn. Café. I can't say coffee.
1: I feel like we could put some sort of twist on it that made it sound like...
0: Café. Yeah, I like it. Café. Yeah,
1: it sounds French.
0: French. (laughs) Yes. So, Autumn Café. No, uh, so glad you guys could join us today. Uh, As always, uh, we are here live uh, in the uh, Community Transformation Partners uh, barn, otherwise known as my office. Uh, And so glad... uh uh, this season we're talking about hole and the soul all right that one thing that has made uh caused a hole in people's hearts and souls and how they have overcome it and how they have dealt with it and today i have a new friend uh, a person that i am getting to know more and more uh, uh christina owens and christina has been with me uh on uh suicide prevention panels uh she is a veteran herself of iraq uh is that correct iraq iraq yes yeah uh and she advocates uh advocates or advocates advocates Advocates. it's (laughs) cafe
1: cafe advocates
0: advocates Mm -hmm. uh and she advocates for uh for veterans of all walks of life uh Mm -hmm. and she helps them out and so uh and, and she's very involved in a lot of different things around her community so welcome to the podcast welcome hi (laughs) so glad that you are here christina thanks uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself Mm. i don't know where i guess got the treat yourself
1: i i you went there i I caught it i did that's cute that's really cute (laughs) um
2: i I don't really know what you want to know about me um you almost mostly defined me right there with the whole veteran part because that's a very large part of who i am yes it is um Let's see, I'm a mom of two girls, I'm married, that's about it, work, work a nine to five, or eight to 4.30, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> work, work in Dolly Parton's
2: song. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have the ring I to work, it. I work an eight to four thirty, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just me, I'm pretty active in my community with, uh, I'm a member of American Legion, and we do a lot of community service projects, and I'm always up to volunteer for stuff, and... Um, and shout out to Indianapolis veterans court. I'm a mentor there. Um, that's really about it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for being on the podcast today. Sure. And a uh, little side note, she helped, uh, this evening with the, uh, research that I am doing for my, my dissertation.
2: Don't make me sound like a rat, lab rat. I don't um, like that. Hey, listen,
0: uh, <laughs> I prefer the term Guinea pig, guinea pig uh, than, so than rat, right? Uh, because at least then. Uh, you know, you're, you're cute and cuddly. Yeah. Cute and cuddly. We'll <laughs> uh, you know, everyone wants to save, uh, the Guinea pig. No one wants to save the lab rat. You don't see the save the lab rat campaign.
1: Unless you're, um, had a Guinea pig. I had they, a Guinea pig too, actually. Yeah. You don't want to save them. I had a Guinea pig. They yeah. make a really weird noise. It's like, wee, wee, yeah. Wee. And yeah. my like all night room long. smelled like a barn. Like it was just, Horrible.
0: so i had a guinea pig and i lent him out to my cousin and he burned him alive on what his, he never turned off the heat lamp and wait so why did he have a he, heat
1: lamp yeah you don't need a heat lamp <laughs> we
0: were we, we <laughs> okay. had one for all right. a year, and he survived on a heat lamp just fine we just put it on overnight so
2: he cooked it yeah, yeah. he
0: cooked it because he left it on all day that's crazy in the summer all that's right. awesome yeah. so okay. we left it on at night they you overheat
1: know, easily okay bringing it back <laughs> bring
0: it, back. We'll bring, bring this, it this, on back this part may get it it out i don't
1: know i don't know I so it <laughs> <out>. <laughs> um bringing it on back so anyway
0: she was part of my dissertation research yes thing. as as was miss Coff mrs coffee coffee uh she uh they were both part of the uh, research that i'm doing We are. Uh, and really happy that you guys participated in that yay yeah so thanks sure uh okay so let's hear a little bit about your religious backstory. Oh man! Okay. Uh, now, again, this is what you want to share, not necessarily what sure. we want to hear. Uh, so you know, start where you want. But what we want to get to the the kind of the the finality of this section, right? Is how you how you how that hole was created. Okay. So go ahead and start with, from where you're comfortable.
2: Ooh. Okay. So uh, my mom got saved uh, when I was in second grade. Okay. And her and my dad and my stepdad at the time were not married and she pulled the, either you marry me and make an honest woman of me or, you know, I'm out. And so dad went to church, got saved. Like many men in
0: America (laughs)
2: have done. (laughs) got saved. Um, I don't know how true, you know, in his heart that salvation was at that point, but he married my mom. Um, sometime around the age of 13 or so, uh, my dad started really studying um, became a lay minister, um, so I grew up living in a church parsonage from the, from about the age of twelve to I was out of the house. I lived in a church parsonage. Wow. What's that? For, church, oh uh, christianese um so the church owned our house it was the house right next to the church okay and so my family was the caretakers of the church we did all the cleaning we did uh-huh. uh, you know all the yard work and everything for the church and in exchange we live there for okay. we live there rent so, free
0: so yeah if a church couldn't afford a full salary for a minister they would provide a house for that minister and therefore they wouldn't have to pay them as much
1: so don't they do that with cemeteries too
0: yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> They do. So I, I, actually live in church parsonages. Kind of okay.
2: the same thing, actually. You, you know I mean, what I mean? You know, like a yard of dead people. Yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> well then, that's her. And, and my guinea pig comment was bad. I know, right?
2: <laughs> um. So, uh, that's that's kind of how I started out, and my background in that church, um, was the Wesleyan Church, which is. Um, Pretty uh, conservative. Um, I wasn't even allowed to wear dress slacks to church. I had to wear skirts. That has changed
0: since.
2: Um, thank goodness. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was allowed to wear, I mean, I was allowed to wear pants, like, out out and about. Yeah, but you not, not to church. You, not church yeah. you always wore a dress. Yeah. Um, it had to be a certain length. And all the ladies who had dyed their hair blue, which was really supposed to be white, but it was blue, mm-hmm. would, you know, measure the length of my skirt and talk about me and stuff. Yes. So that was that was pleasant, um, but uh, I, I was—I mean, I was in the—I was in the church every time the church doors were open. Um, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere on um, nights church happened. Even visiting my biological father, um, one of the ground rules was he had to take me to church. Okay, yeah. So, um, I'm well versed. Let's put it that yeah. way. Uh, you know, memorized all the memory verses all through
1: sunday school and all that um i will say i did notice that what whenever you were reading
0: she would yeah she
1: was yes also speaking them
0: quoting scriptures let me me ask you this real quick did you ever feel that it was a rule heavy that there was too much expectation put on you as a child
2: oh very much so yeah um living in the church parsonage, and and we live i I don't want to I don't want to out my parents too much because I do love them and I don't want to do any damage to them in any way, shape, or form. But the church I lived on, uh, that I went to, and the the parsonage I lived in was on a very busy street in Indianapolis. Okay. And um, so we lived on a busy street, and I was a teenager. And uh, I remember my mom getting a phone call from one of our parishioners. Um, I don't think that's the appropriate term for that religion, but I'm just going to use it because it's a gen- general term.
0: Those who go to church. Those who
2: go to church. Yeah. Um, because I was in my backyard sunbathing in a bikini when I was 16. Um, and I was laying out half naked, and it didn't look good for the church.
1: Um, so you were essentially a representative of the church, or it felt like it, and you were very much under the microscope.
2: Very much so. Even Even being you know, not really solid in my own faith at the time. Yeah. One of the
0: unfortunate things about church ministry, this coming from the adult perspective, is that your kids are under magnifying glass. Right.
2: Absolutely. And and Heather and
0: I, um, you know, uh, have struggled and strived hard Mm -hmm. to make sure that our kids um, did not feel that pressure. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, We had people telling us, your kids can't run in the hallway. I'm like, they're kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like right. I mean, will tell them not to. I mean that's fine. But, but that's what kids do. But that's what kids do. Right. Like, you know, um, like your kid ran right past
2: me, you know. You know, or or the time I, I went off to I had gone off to college, I was the oldest child, and I came home to watch my brother and sister, who were sixteen and fourteen at the time. Um, so my parents could go out for a Night for uh, New Year's, and I asked my parents, "Can we have some of their friends over? I'll supervise. I'm mm-hmm. an adult. I'm not going to do anything. Let anything happen. Can we have like a little New Year's party?" Mm-hmm. Parents were totally fine with that. They got a phone call to oh, inform them hello. that I was throwing a party at their house um, because we had, you know, disco lights and loud music and. Nothing bad was happening. Disco There's, lights. I
0: know, was right? the 1960s?
2: I, you know what? I, they were <laughs> mine. Disco lights are in, man. I, they were mine. Like a crystal, like I had like the little disco I light ball. You I and, would not
0: judge you, but I just did.
2: You know, I don't really care. <laughs> so there you go. Doesn't faze fair, me. Fair, um, fair. I've been called a lot worse. So, um, but... You know, so there was that. So when I moved out uh, on my own, I, I kind of uh, walked, uh, not kind of, I, I, I turned my back on the church completely because there was a lot of damage that was done to me in my formative years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually, my parents were ousted from that church. Um, I became pregnant with my daughter out of wedlock. Okay. Um, and within a year, my sister also had her son out of wedlock. And it was brought by the elders to my father that he obviously didn't know how to lead his family.
0: And Ergo could not lead the church.
2: Bingo. Yep. that's. And so yeah. my, my parents were ousted from the church. That's um, a
0: misunderstanding of scripture. There's an actual verse that they'll use uh, for those who don't know church. Uh, that in order to be a deacon or qualify for an elder in the church, you have to be able to lead one's family. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and they take that out of complete context.
2: Uh, I was an adult at yeah, the time. Right. I was 21 years old. I made my own choices. My yeah. father did not make me do any of that. Right. Um, right. So I, I, that really turned me off. Yeah. Um, so fast forward a little bit of time, I decided to join the military.
0: Now, real quick, because you yep. said that you turned your back on the church, but that mm-hmm. does not mean, for our audience's sake, that you did not turn your back on God, necessarily. No. Right.
2: No, I, I, through it all, um, I will, I want to put that out there as through it all that I I have maintained my faith. Yes. Um, at times it waned. Sure. Um, but it was solidified actually in my military service. Yeah. Because
0: a lot of people will consider or equate leaving the church for leaving the faith.
2: Nope. Left the church building. Yeah. You
0: can have a faith and, and not go to church. Now I may disagree with whether or not one should go to church, obviously, Mm -hmm. Right? But that doesn't negate one's faith. Right. Right. Sorry. So, no,
2: no, you're absolutely fine. So, I, um, my little brother started, um, he found a church that he really liked that one of his little girlfriends when he was in high school was going to. And he was a drummer. And they asked him to drum in the band at this new church. So, naturally, my parents, having not found a new church home, decided to start going and watch my brother play. Next thing I knew, I was going there, too. Um, but it, my heart wasn't in it. I was just there. Yeah. Um, it, it was nice, nice people. They seemed okay. So it was fine. Um, but you know, it wasn't a every every. I didn't go every Sunday. I didn't, I wasn't there all the time. I wasn't real active. I was just attending. Um, and then I got my deployment orders and upon my deployment orders, I had to sign my daughter over to my parents and I left. Which, and, uh,
0: what, what form of OIF were you in? Like the very beginning, OIF one, or were you? At the
2: I was early? in. O- I was there at nine ten.
0: Okay,
2: nine ten. Okay. You have to.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I, I apologize to the. So audience the time in that general. we were in,
2: that the America was in Iraq yes. is divided up into time frames and okay. periods, and so they label it OIF one, two, three. So OIF
0: is Operation Iraqi Freedom. Okay. so right. those,
1: those, those were the different. Like,
0: yeah. So between. Okay. So quick military lesson between 2001 and 2008, we were in Operation Enduring Freedom, which was in Afghanistan and at the very beginnings of Iraq uh, and even Saudi, right? Uh, right. And then when we invaded Iraq, it became Operation Iraqi Freedom, right?
2: And Um, Enduring Freedom continued. Yeah, and
0: Enduring Freedom continued. So it was really OIF-O-E-F, right? Uh, And I was in the first deployment, so I was OIF-1. She would have been like seven or eight, something like
2: that. We were there for quite some time. Yeah, so. so,
0: but... Anyway, so now once you where you in which OIF were you in, you just give the year. Gotcha right. Okay. So I apologize because so here's the deal. Uh, when I get into military mode, all these acronyms are going to start. <laughs> like, oh, literally, sorry. you
1: did not even flinch. I look over you, and I'm like, it's, it's, we speak a different, it's a different it's language. A story. It's funny,
0: because I'll explain church language all day long, because I know people don't understand a lot of church no, language. No, but, but, but when you, it's, tear, it's, like, it's, yeah, whatever. it's
2: its own language, and it flows. So, um, there was, I, I was scared, you know, yeah. I, I was going to Iraq, um, I was leaving my daughter, I was her only parent, um, her dad has never, doesn't know her, and I, I was terrified and I was sitting in Kuwait and uh waiting to get a a shuttle from Kuwait City or from not Kuwait City Do- but Doha. Uh, no John. Are There it is. um I was waiting to hop a flight from Arif John into Mizzul, Iraq. Um at the time Mazul was being um bombarded pretty heavily. Yeah. And I was scared. Sure. Um and I was sitting in Arif John, um I was sitting on the steps of a salon waiting for my friend to finish getting her haircut or whatever. And everything in this place had to be trucked in. And when I say everything, I mean there was no water. There was no anything. It was just mm-hmm. desert for yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And I looked down, and there's a little sparrow hopping on the ground. And the sparrow stopped and kind of just, like, chilled and looked at me. And it was like he was, like, you know, mind-melding me, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And he like, hey, I'm okay out here. And I was like, I get it. All right. little God wink right there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you know yeah. he'll he'll take care of the sparrows he's going to take care of me Matthew chapter six and so um you know actually I want to backtrack a little bit to basic training basic training um I dove into the word pretty heavy because it was the only book I was allowed to read yep. and I couldn't sleep at night, so I read all night long and uh, memorized the proverbs, so I was quoting the proverbs yeah. when you were speaking to them earlier yep. and uh so that that had started to form a little bit on me, and then. Um, this happened at Arif John and I was like, okay. So I had my little Bible that they issue from the chaplain's office. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and I kept it in my pocket and it went absolutely everywhere with me. Um, and so I spent, um, you know, my year really diving into the word and, um, it, you know, I did wasn't living it so much, but I was really hiding it in my heart. Yeah. Um, Uh, That's Christian speak too for memorizing crap. Um, So (laughs) I was hiding the word in my heart. Um, (laughs) So you know, when I came home, I came home grateful that I came home alive.
0: Yes.
2: Um, And I felt this almost a, a responsibility that I had to go back to my church roots. Why? Um, like I owed it to God. So
0: because of the sparrow, because of he protected you, you wanted. I, ha- I, yeah. I
2: felt. I felt this. I owe it to God. Sure. Okay. Um. And so I, I really dove in and I started taking on all of these, um, attitudes. And and you know I I jumped into ministry as much as I could. I was feeding the homeless twice a week, and um, I also started college, and, and but I was really. My, my focus was, was my, my church family and, um, there was a few things that happened in my life where I made choices based on what I thought was my faith, um, that I regret now. Um, particularly, uh, I cut out some friends who had been there, had really truly been there for me, um... And actually two, both of them, they both revolve around homosexuality.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and they both came out to me and I, I cut them out of my life. Um, and not because they
0: were damaging to you, but because simply because of their, I can't,
2: I can't, I can't associate with that because Because this, because in my mind at the time and the faith that I had been brought up in, I can't associate myself with sin. And that was my thought process. Um, And I have since been able to heal both of those relationships, thank God. um, Because I love them both very dearly. Um,
0: Now, let me ask you this. Because uh, being military, Mm -hmm. you know, lifestyles don't really matter all that much to us outside of the uniform. Right. Right? And so, in the military, you had friends that, um, I'm guessing you know, uh, had different lifestyles than what you would have, mm-hmm. you would have lived, right? And yet you still made friendships. You still had, mm-hmm. still considered them brothers and sisters, right? Combat in arms, uh-huh. right? And then when you took off the uniform, things changed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, why didn't that training, so to speak, from the military, that, that experienced military, why didn't that cross over?
2: Because my religious, back, my religious background and my religious training superseded. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, honestly, that's the only thing that I can come up with and the answer I can give you yeah, is, that, is that that religious training that I had. Um, and when I say religious training, it's really, I call it religious-osity. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's, it's, not, it's more hypocrisy.
0: It, the Christian term, I think, is legalism.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do tell.
0: Legalism is what the Pharisees were uh, accused of in the uh, New Testament of worrying more about the rules of the faith
2: than, than the, the people. people of the faith. Okay, exactly. Gotcha. Right. And so, I feel like this is already a really long story.
0: Um, it's okay. That's why we have these podcasts. So
2: you know I, things things happened moved along I stayed very active in that church we lost a pastor there was some church hurt that happened there um uh, some adultery that happened in the in When the, you say lost do you mean like passed away or you mean there was fire. an incident it was not fire.
0: Oh man, I was so
2: close. <laughs> um, no, there was yeah. there was some things that happened um, with the pastor and his wife. Um, there was some adultery that was going on. Okay, and, so lost as in, and he the just, pastor left. He was like, yeah, lost. I can't do this anymore, and gotcha. walked yeah, away. Okay, now
0: mind you, it is like losing a loved one for when sure. A pastor, I mean, it uh, is the identity of the church is sometimes a little too much wrapped up
1: in that. In purse, the absolutely, so when for the pastor
0: sure. separates himself. It's like a piece of the church ripped away. Exactly. Away.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know the pain of divorce yet, but I do know that, um, you know, I that's what I would liken it to. Oh, um, for sure. Because there, w- there was that just, just yeah. ripped out. Um, someone, you know, this was a family that we cared about and that we loved. Right. Yeah. Um. So someone else stepped in, and this person stepped in and was very young, very passionate. Um. Had a, had a heart for everything that I, I had always wanted, had a heart for the lost. Had when I say had a heart for the lost, I mean, you know, all of those sectors that I had traditionally in the church that I had grown up in, those were the ones we didn't associate with. Yeah. The addicts, the prostitutes, the homosexuals, the, all these groups that we just, you know, good church going people don't associate with those. Um. And this pastor wanted to do something about it. And this excited me. Yeah. Um, because this was the love that I had always felt. This was the love that I had been raised by my grandmother with. Yeah. Um, so my grandmother was not a churchgoer. At all. <laughs> but my grandmother was the one of the kindest, most gentle people I've ever met. And she taught me that you love people no matter what Mm -hmm. i always asked i asked her one time how she could sit next to my dad and all his ex-wives in church and be okay with it when they would come and see me sing at the christmas play or whatever and she'd say oh christina we don't throw away people honey
0: oh i love that
2: (laughs) and that always stuck with me you don't throw away people
0: yeah
2: and so when this pastor was saying hey we need to reach out to this group and this group and this group it caught me mm-hmm. and so I dove in deeper um, into the organization of the church um, congregation. And you know, I started I, I was more than just feeding the homeless. Now I was hanging out after school with kids. you know, I was in college at the time full time, so my schedule was super flexible. I'm tutoring high school kids all the time, and I'm you know the the area that the, that I lived in uh, that I live in with this this church has. Um, a very high rate of drug use um, especially in the parents of these kids these kids don't know what it's like to be loved and I, I'm, I'm just eating this up right, Like God, this yeah. is awesome um, but I started noticing things that didn't sit well in my, uh, sit well in my spirit it kind of gave me that gut feeling of this isn't right, right. something here is not right um, and little by little I started to voice that mm. um, people don't like it when you point out things that aren't good um, and that's that's a people thing. I don't think that's a church thing. True. Um, you know. But I started noticing little things that really bothered me, and I started voicing them. And my husband would say something on my behalf because this particular pastor, while I liked him a lot, um, didn't take um, words from me, women very well. Mm-hmm. I'll just say women in general. Right. It wasn't just me. And the next thing I know. He's whispering in my husband's Mm -hmm. ear, well, she doesn't know this. She doesn't know that. She doesn't know how to submit. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear Lord. That's the one thing you don't say to me. Um, (laughs) And it really began to drive a wedge into my marriage. It was eating us alive. Like, we weren't on the same page with things because while he believed, my husband would believe what I had to say, I mean, he trusted me. But then he would say something to this pastor, and the pastor would come back with a scripture or something. And... Religion supersedes everything. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, it didn't take long until I started seeing my friends leaving, family after family, dropping off. And this had been a very robust church of well over 100 and, you know on a regular Sunday. And the next thing you know, we're dwindling down. We're 40s, 30s. Um, my family, my husband and I were the last family still there on the last Sunday that that church existed.
0: Oh, wow. Um, did you ever talk to your family and friends about why they left?
2: Not until after the fact, because we were told a lot of things that weren't true Mm -hmm. about why people left. There was a lot of manipulation, there was a lot of manipulation that happened.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, there was a story of this family left because he was the worship leader and he was secretly having an affair with one of the singers while his wife was the piano player. And, and we, you know, this someone brought it to him and, and he didn't like it. So they left.
0: Mm.
2: When we actually sat down with that couple and had a conversation, this was years later. Um, that was not the case at
0: all. Yeah. It was absolutely so not it was the So uh, just out- outright false. Just outright false. Yeah.
2: Um, and so, you know, we we were the last family still standing from the original families of the church on the last Sunday that that church existed. And um, I didn't care to ever go again. There was such a loss there that was yeah. so... I had seen some, some. I had been there for over a decade at that point. I had been attending to that 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 building. Yeah. And I, I still, to this day, I drive past it. I, I still live in the area in the neighborhood. Yeah. And I get a gut feel. I can't even look at the building anymore.
0: So, would you consider that decade of your time wasted? No. No. I did
2: a lot. I I, I helped a lot of people. Yeah. That church helped a lot of people.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, it was not wasted. There yeah. was definitely growth. Yeah. That happened. Um. Within me, so I don't, I don't see it as wasted in any way, um, but I can look back on it and see why I don't have a desire to go back
0: to a so, church. So, okay, um, so many thoughts. Sure. Uh, first off, one of the things that we, that you know, pastors like to ask churches uh, when on a Sunday morning is, if we were to close down our doors today, mm-hmm. what kind of impact would we leave on our community? Mm-hmm. Did the community feel that loss as, as much or even at all when they closed their doors?
2: The last couple of years? No. Yeah. Had it happened two or three years prior? Yeah, it
0: would have. Okay. So that stuff that, started, that you started noticing was pervasive even throughout the community and their community impact. Yeah. Okay. So okay, so that helps, helps me out there. So when you went through your mourning period, mm-hmm. right, um, what was that like for you?
2: I'm still mourning, to be honest. Okay. I, I mean, it, it's been, gosh, it's been five years, and I'm still in a mourning of it um, because it was such a great thing. It was so powerful Yeah. when it was alive.
0: Okay. Well, through the initial stages then, how did you deal with it? What At the very beginning of this, after the first Sunday, you know, when you woke up and you didn't have a church to go to,
2: um, we did have a church to go to, and we did for a little while. Okay. Um, for a short period of time, we went back to the church that my husband had grown up in. Okay. Um, and I started seeing things there that were very similar. Okay. And I was like, I I can't I can't do this again.
0: Yeah. So you were getting triggered mm-hmm. in church. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I mean, you and I know very much about,
0: you know. Unfortunately. You know, I, <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't mean to put your stuff out there, but oh, I put my
0: stuff out there. Okay, the
2: PTSD is <laughs> a real thing, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. just happen in war.
0: Well, that's one um, of the things I brought you here, right? Because we talked about religious trauma, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and you know, when I posted, so about what a month ago, mm-hmm. I posted about religious trauma syndrome because I have two friends um, who who uh, you know uh, who I was very close to in growing up. And they both went through religious trauma, and I posted it on facebook and I'll never forget the responses I got mostly positive uh, but I got one that said, uh, "You are dishonoring veterans by talking about by comparing church church issues with." PTSD.
2: Really? Yeah, and and it was oh, funny because,
0: you know, a I'm very, a veteran with PTSD. That's
2: a very uneducated...
0: <laughs> very much so, and I pointed that
1: out.
2: That's a very <laughs> to, uneducated...
0: Sure um, well. no, oh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, like, one, I'm a veteran, right, so I get it. Like, I understand, like, I, I don't make these terms, uh, you know, I don't put these out lightly, you know, and I do think some people say <laughs> PTSD when they don't mean, when they have no idea what they're talking
2: about. Right. Right. right? Um, mm-hmm.
0: And, and Duh, I get that. But this is a real thing.
2: It is a real thing.
0: Church can cause trauma. Absolutely. And and that's an unfortunate truth in today's world.
1: Do you feel like, because you had a very um, close-up look at the church, you know, whenever you lived right beside there, Mm -hmm. um, you were going to church all the time, basically, Um, and your dad being a preacher, right? You said your dad? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it seems like a lot of people that grow up in the church have a very different view of the church because I think they are so close to um, humans. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the questions I still have to reconcile is, are we expecting perfection from a thing that's got, like, Mm -hmm. man?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you What do you think, Christina?
1: How do you answer that? Um, that's a hard question.
2: I don't expect perfection. I don't. I do expect an effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that you know that a church congregation can't be perfect because you're right. We're human. Right. However, I do expect an effort towards that.
0: Yeah. And I would even say it's not, high, it's not too high of a bar to ask people to love, right? Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that you do it perfectly. Like no. people who know me, it, you, like you know that I, I, that I suck at some things, that I have issues, right? That I, that I struggle with things and that I'm not a perfect person, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but I strive to love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this really comes out with parenting as well. Uh, I, I worried so much when my wife was pregnant with our first uh, that I was not going to be able to raise these kids. Coming from dysfunction, coming right. from all the crap that I came from. And and I remember I told Heather straight out, like, look, the only thing I know how to do is love. So I'm going to love these kids. Mm-hmm. And they're going to grow up. They, they We may have to save for their therapy bills instead of college, and I get that. For sure. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? But they will at least know... Uh, and without a shadow of a doubt that they are loved. Right. And if they know that, then we can get through anything. Exactly. And I expect churches to do the same. We may not agree theologically. We may not agree philosophically. We may not, uh, we may not uh, like the background by which we came. But we should at least know how to love somebody regardless. And that seems to be the problem.
2: I 100% agree with
0: you. Sorry, off my pulpit. No, you no, you're perfectly <laughs>
2: fine. That you answered her question perfectly and, and that's exactly exactly what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's my pet peeve, man. Yeah. I, I just can't stand churches who don't know how to love people. Like that's the number one thing. You had one job. True. <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, continue.
1: <laughs> that was my question. Just because I do feel like I um a lot of times when I look at the little C I'm trying to think of the big C and the little okay. Well The little C, a lot of the issues I have are with the people. hmm Yeah. And so... Oh, my issue is, never, is not with God. Right. It's absolutely with the people. For sure. And, and some of this, I think, I put too... Do you think Christians put too much eh, on the people that are running yeah, the Yeah, so,
0: I mean... There Creatures,
1: is that, uh, you know what I mean?
0: There is that concept that we live inside of a glass house. Yes. Oh yeah. Fishbowl. Uh, and, yeah. And, and, the, and culture looks at us with the magnifying glass. And there is that, there is that stigma that says that if you're a Christian, you should be a, B, C or D. For and when sure. you don't live up to that standard, that impossible standard yeah. that it gives people an excuse not to believe. I
1: mean, I've heard so much. I've heard it before. I was in a church where there was a, you know, there was an adult, what is it? Adult, adultery, adultery. Yes. Um, and and fair. yeah, affair. And affair. Yes. <laughs> Just like as you said. And, and for one, I know people that that happens through, you know what I mean? People do that all the time in our real world. But for some reason, and whenever the pastor does it, he's put to a different standard. And do you think that pastors should be put to a different standard? Yes and no,
0: right? I, I think that as leaders, any leader, should should be able to lead from the front and be examples of, of what they are trying to accomplish right so I think that any any person any CEO, any parent any uh you know soldier or any preacher, if they are going to sit up stand up behind a pulpit and say uh, that thou shalt not they better not be either or at least be honest with their struggles that they are right you know, but they present themselves at this this level of that they can not even obtain themselves. And I'll give you an example. When I was in seminary, I had a professor say that preachers should not share their struggles from the pulpit because the expectation of the congregation is that they are above them. No, and I completely disagree. With right, that. that's the right? opposite. Because I said no, because because I want to be relatable to right. these people. for sure. I want people to know that I don't have it figured out as much as you don't have it figured out. Right, and but we know the God who does. Right, right. right? And, and so if we can all just come together, I
2: mean, there's not levels here. Exactly. I mean, right? and there's not like Christ and then right. you know all these the other pastor, levels. Yeah. Because what happens
0: is, and then we're down here. What happens is, Robbie Zacharias happens. Right, and Robbie Zacharias was an apologetic uh, known throughout the world.
1: You just used terms. I don't know. Oh yes. Yeah, was that the Hillsong guy? No. Oh, so Robbie
0: Zacharias is a guy who, <laughs> who academically and intelligently proved why God and Christianity were the right was the right way to go. Okay. Right. He went all over the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he was intelligent. He was smart. He could persuade anybody. He said it so beautifully well guess what he was he had bought spas and massage parlors all throughout the world and had had sex with tons and tons of women behind closed doors okay right and when he died uh he died just about a month ago all of this came out oh it mm-hmm. hadn't
1: come out no, while he
0: was no there were okay. some there were some rumors of it whispers yeah, but, but if was, that
1: came out then all of that other would have been negated he was too
0: big to fail yes right and, and that's the problem yeah. the problem is, is that he was put on such a high pedestal sure. that now that his, his reputation is now marred now the question is well do we even listen to all the stuff that he's put out there right. and, and so Christianity is having this battle right now of <laughs> Uh, well, okay. On one end, so he said some really good stuff, but on the other end, he was a piece of trash. Right? <laughs> but you know, isn't
2: the Bible filled of exactly. people like that? And
0: that's the point, right? And so what what I tell people is that you don't throw bath out with the, the baby out. You the baby out, out, don't with, throw bath, the baby out yes. with the bathwater, right? You you understand that? Hopefully, this man was repentant before he died, and, and and even if he wasn't, the stuff that he said doesn't have to necessarily be thrown in the trash either right you know because david was an adulterer mm-hmm. right for the bible right uh he he had That's an little, affair pretty uh,
2: sure he was a murderer too and a murderer
0: and he, <laughs> because he got he got he, he got this guy's wife pregnant and to hide it killed off the husband in war right and then as an act of honor married his wife <laughs> right it was, it was it was like one of the lowest things you could possibly do and yet everyone looks at david like as if he's you know uh you know up there in the hall of faith which he is
1: hall of i see what you did there yeah. hall of faith yeah. i like
0: uh, that hebrews chapter 11 uh is called the hall of faith in the church another church term oh <clears throat> yeah it, i didn't come up with that i stole that too okay <laughs> um, i see all my thieves see we're thieves <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i stole all my best material um so <clears throat> all, all of that to, all of that to say is that you know we have this level of perfection <clears throat> this standard right that that is too high for us to reach but then the opposite happens we also set a bar so low uh, you know that uh, that nobody you know uh, everybody can can step over it so it's almost like we want people we have to set the bar at a a reasonable level of love but not so high that we expect perfection there's there's a balance in between the two
1: Mm -hmm. does that help? For sure.
0: Yeah.
2: I was like, one hand, I want to see an effort. Uh I want to see an effort, but also understand that I'm forgiving enough to understand that we're human and we're not perfect. Um, You know, there's a balance there that it it seems to not exist. Yeah. Or that it's not allowed and it's not reasonable, but it's not reasonable to not allow that balance.
0: So that extremism, and I use that term intentionally, Mm -hmm. that we face in the church today caused a serious hole in your life. It did. Uh, and so as you got over the morning, well, as you say, you're not over the morning. I'm either, not over it, but, but at it's at least okay. the beginning stages of your grief, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, how did you move forward?
2: I i don't really have an answer for that, I guess. Um, probably because I'm still processing. Um I never stopped talking to God. Okay. First off. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I started at, I, I start out with, and actually the loss of that church is actually what brought to a lot of healing too. So on the flip side, while it hurt really bad, it forced me to heal those relationships that I had mm. backed away from. Okay. um, you know, I, I, I remember uh, my closest friend calling him up one day and saying, you know what, I owe you an apology. Mm. Yeah. I miss you. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I never cared before who you slept with, but I miss your personality, and I miss the laughs and the fun that we used to have hanging out together. Um, and I'm sorry that I let something that's really none of my business come between the fact that I love you as a friend Um, and I am so incredibly grateful that he was gracious enough to forgive me Mm -hmm. and to heal that relationship. Um, you know, and the same, very similar conversation happened with someone else. Yeah. Um, because in my mind at the time that I was cutting them out, that legalism of, I can't have this around my, I, I don't want my children to think this is okay. The only thing my kids care about is whether or not I love people. Right. That's what they're paying attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whenever um, you cut those relationships off, did uh-huh. you do it out of maliciousness or out of no. ignorance? it was definitely ignorance. So it was
2: not. I mean, I'm not. I don't have a malicious. Well, bone I in didn't my think body, so. But. Because
1: I want to take that on the flip side. And do you think the church, what they're doing, is out of being malicious or out of ignorance?
0: It, it, it's neither or nor because it's, it's. They're not doing it because they hate people. They're not doing it because uh, they're not doing. They're not doing it because they they don't know. They're they're trying to be righteously, you uh, uh, right. They're trying to be it's pretentious religiosity. It's
2: what exactly it what it is. Yeah. Wait, um, don't
1: use big words with me. Okay, yeah. so
2: so I <laughs> wasn't even a church term. Re-
1: religious what pretentious
2: religiosity pretentious religious high horse yes. yes yes exactly yes. okay cool um so it's kind of an idea of um the thought process was is i can justify this biblically by saying um you know you're a sinner and i shouldn't associate myself that way um because you might affect me in my my walk Yeah, that's what
1: the church is saying. Yeah, so it's really
0: poor teaching from the church. It really is
2: really poor teaching
0: because our culture reflects what we are being taught, right? And so you have you have um, preachers from the pulpit saying not only should we disagree with this lifestyle, but we should avoid it, Mm -hmm. and and conveniently they leave out the scriptures where Jesus did the exact. Opposite. opposite,
1: but isn't that doing? It's doing them the disservice because then they have to be perfect, and yes. that's why the preachers that are or yeah. anybody messing up, yeah. you can't you can't go back because are we negating? Is the if this pastor is doing that, are are we negating everything that this stands for? Right.
0: So 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 let's let's play a little analytic game for sure. Yeah. Oh, fun! Uh, all right, I so, love these games. <laughs> preacher, preacher says, "Thou shall not." The congregation does not mm-hmm. right uh then congregation realizes that uh they can't keep it up so instead of uh admitting that to the preacher and having the preacher admonish them they just hide it mm-hmm. and they cover it mm-hmm. and they become uh they become shells of, of what they really are and they have this double identity mm-hmm. they have a sunday uh... identity and then they have a monday through saturday Identity, right? And so, if they can give off the impression that they are doing the right things, then they don't have to deal with the guilt uh, on Sunday morning, right? Right? Uh, and then, what, as that happens, then they build up walls, right, inside of themselves that distance themselves from those who uh, really reflect their own issues, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they so so they learn to stay away from people who uh, they disagree with, that have immoral lifestyles. And the church, therefore, no longer reaches out the people that they were called to reach in the first
1: place. Well, and there's no change because nobody is being honest. And I think I've told you this before, that during the time that I was in active addiction, I was like, okay, I need to go to church because you know maybe that will help me but i still was being so dishonest because i thought nobody at the church could understand i was yeah. going to a small group every week and was i talking about where i was struggling no because i thought i was going to be judged
0: yeah right. so
1: i think that in general is where, where we're at with a lot of churches yep. is we're not being honest about where we're struggling therefore yep. we're not we're not changing
0: transparency is the number one is the best tool for any christian to have Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I if I'm honest about my crap, then you'll be honest with yours. For sure. Uh, and I I remember uh, I did a survey at my last church, and and this is not uh, degrading my church because I I told them this from the pulpit. Uh, <laughs> I went, I did a survey with my church, and I and, uh, uh, and I said to them, um, uh, you know how I went to those who came to our church but then stopped going, mm. you know, people who would visit for a couple of months, right? Become regular attenders and then leave. Uh, and I would go to them I said, why did you guys leave the church? And they would say to, the, they would say to me, every last one of them would say to me, uh, everybody was very welcoming, but they weren't, but they weren't inviting me into their circles.
2: Exactly. It's so Clicky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It clicks. So, so it's
1: surface level. Yeah. Yes.
0: So, and so when I would bring this to my congregate to that congregation, and I wasn't the senior pastor of the congregation, right. but I was a pastor. They would say, but our lives aren't perfect. We, 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 you know, we have issues and struggles like anybody else. i say, yes, but the difference is you're not admitting it in public. <laughs> right. Right? And, and if we were just, and so one of the things that I, I hammered hard at my church was that you guys got to be more transparent. You have to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was going to preach on this on a Sunday. And, and somebody came up to me uh, and said, hey, how are you doing? And I was struggling. I had just been diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, I was depressed. I was not happy with myself. I was suicidal in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and, um, and, and I looked at him and go, I'm fine. You lied. I lied. But before I got, as I turned the corner, God, you know, I, I, I don't know what people believe about God speaking to you, but I believe God speaks to us. And God said, you just lied. So I turned back around and I went back to him. I said, you know what? And I told him everything. Mm-hmm. Just like, everything. I'm having a
2: really crappy week. I'm day. having a really
0: crappy week. And he sat there and he prayed for me. And he was the church to me that very moment. And I, I got up there and I used that as an illustration that very Sunday because that's what we need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I feel like I'm the guest on this show. I apologize. I'm You're gonna, perfectly I fine. I am I a lot today. It's honestly. awesome. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> so... So talk about the the uh, you know how you moved forward because I know you say you didn't but you did in a lot of ways.
2: I did in a lot of ways. Um, so remember, I, I tend to go back to that time. I remember I said I, I spent a lot of time reading mm-hmm. and really memorizing scriptures. Yeah. Um, And don't ask me to call forth a scripture because it's not going to happen. I don't have it memorized like that. Um, (laughs)
0: Not like Webster, right?
2: No. But um, I started thinking back on some of my favorite verses and different things. And, um, you know, my life verse is, No greater love hath a man than this, but he laid down his life for his friends.
0: Mm.
2: Well, that started kind of haunting me on some things. Yeah. It was like you know, no greater love, no greater love. You always said you were going to live with love. You're going to live with love. Christ was love. That's what we're supposed to be. Our, exam- our example is love, right? Um, and that's when I started thinking back on some of those relationships, and, and that's when the, the healing of those relationships really began. And I started finding, um, I started volunteering in different in some different areas. Um, you know, like I said in the, earlier, I'm very active in the in the veteran community. Um, I didn't know the veteran community existed, being a veteran myself. I just didn't – it never dawned on me like, that there's a whole like subculture of veteran yep. services yep. Um, in Indianapolis. And um, I found a passion yeah. in people, which people have always been my passion. I was a medic in the Army. Why? Because I like people. I don't know why. They're kind of jerks most of the time. But – but there's something there's there, there's something there, there's something that I I almost want to, I want to use the word like a kindred spirit that connection. I have
1: connection. Yeah, it well, that's my favorite word. It
2: I mean, is. Well, no, actually, I think you did sing, and that was beautiful. Oh, thank you. It was very beautiful. All right, cool. um, so no, no, the connection, absolutely, the connection. So I um, have always been. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm very lonely. I'm a very lonely person. Um, and I don't know where that stems from. My therapist and I are working on that.
1: Um, yes, mental no health. advocate for therapy. Will, every
2: time. Um, mental health matters. Mental yes, health right. does matter. Um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons, but there's something about the veteran community, um, and I, I will say it a bazillion times, um, I've never felt more at home than when I was in the military. Yep because no matter what my background was or the next person's background was, we had each other's backs no matter what. Yeah. And that being said, there, there's a family aspect to that, um, that I latched onto. And so when I found this veteran services stuff, I started really diving in, like, where can I help? Where can I help? Because I have a service that that's my, my I, I have to serve at all times. Right. And, you know, even in my job now, I mean, I get paid to do what I love. I love mm-hmm. my job. Um, and so, I don't know where I was going with this. Completely lost it.
0: Well, you're talking about uh, <laughs> how you how
2: you move forward by yeah, serving other people. Exactly, and yeah. so I, I find that for me, and there is a reward that is greater in serving other people. Um, that I, I there, there's there's. So I talk about the... I'm trying to figure out how or where this comes from and how I fall on it. One, we're told to serve yeah. others. Mm-hmm. You know, the greatest of these yeah. the, is the least of these, that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but there really is a genuine reward that I get when I know I've helped someone. Yeah. And um, I love it. So through that and through finding all these different places where I could serve, um, I started finding that happiness again. Yeah. Um, you know, do I struggle? Yes, I struggle. But that has brought a piece about to, the, to where, you know, I don't necessarily need a congregation to serve with. I don't have to be hooked up to a church to serve. I can serve sitting at my desk. Yeah. You know, I have a young girl who works with me who is constantly going through something. The yeah. poor sweetheart, she's a doll, but she's always got something. Sometimes she just needs me to just listen. Yeah. And that's Okay.
0: So you find your congregation outside of the church?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that I, that I love about that is that it, it really does um, uh, help us to understand that the church is not a building.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: we, we, we you had that clarifying question during the research uh, this evening. Uh, like when I say the word church, what am I talking about? Am I talking about Little C Congregation Church, or am I talking about Church Universal, Universal which is all the believers together? Uh, believing in Christ, and, uh, you know, and while I was talking congregationally, uh, you know, we we can't negate the universal. uh, Well,
2: I I feel that, you know, where I grew up in, you know, Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Right, right, right. Well, that's not just on Sundays.
0: Yes, yes.
2: Um, And it's wherever I am. Yeah, it's
0: funny because people think evangelism is bringing people to church. No. That's not evangelism. Evangelism is sharing your faith with those around you. Um, through service and towards.
2: I, I was going to say, I, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not real open about my 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 faith um, unless I'm asked. Um, but there is something about me.
0: Yeah.
2: And and that has been brought to my attention. There's something yeah. about you. Yeah. Then I'll share.
0: Right. Yeah. I think, um, I don't think it's for everybody to talk about uh, their faith in the same way that I do. I don't need to. Yeah, no. You know, I I, I feel called to that because that's what I am good with. I mean right.
1: you're kind of a pastor, so Well I yeah, mean true. No. that's a calling.
0: Yeah, true. <laughs> but at the same time, even if I even when I wasn't quote unquote a pastor, mm-hmm. I was still a pastor, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, I, you know, I, know I think
2: that the term pastor is someone who cares for others. Yes, it's not necessarily someone who stands in front of and, and preaches all the time. No,
0: no. I, and even though I, I, I mean, do,
2: the pastor is the shepherd. Yes, that's
0: really what the term pastor means. Exactly, right? to shepherd the flock, to mm-hmm. take care of to people. To take care of right. People. And I do think I have a gift in preaching and calling. Nah, but I mean, but you please, talk all right. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. But no, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, and this is one of the. One of the greatest compliments I can ever get is when people don't know I'm preaching. True story. Right? Uh, because I just talk about the Bible.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, That's, I think I wrote that on the thing. It was, I didn't feel like I was being preached at. Yeah. You know? Right. That yeah. Nobody wants to be preached at.
0: Yeah, no. No one wants Jesus shoved down their throat. They want to present it. You know? And, and, I, don't, and I don't want to shove Jesus down people's throat because like, he doesn't need to be. No. You know?
2: You don't have to sell Christ. He sells himself.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. That should be so, put on a T-shirt. Yeah, it so, probably is somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. So, Christina, we have to wrap up now. I wish we could talk forever, uh, but we're about to hit an hour worth eh. of talking, uh, and I don't want to edit this down.
2: Come on, special edition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we will have you back on again for sure. I'd but, love to. Uh, at the very end of every podcast, the, the podcast thus far, we have asked this question: uh, I want you to put yourself in front of somebody mm-hmm. who is. Um, who has experienced the church in the same way that you have, Mm -hmm. who has this hole in Mm -hmm. their life, what advice do you give them? Don't lose faith Mm.
2: because people are people. They're imperfect and they're going to fail you, Mm -hmm. but God doesn't.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. And with that, we move on to less important things. Uh, Part of our tradition here, uh, well, ever since somebody came on the show, it's become tradition here. Uh, she really has really, really a lot of things that we've done here. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Listen to him. Jeez. Uh, she walks in. She comes in with her last name, I know. and she thinks that she owns the Coffee and Conversation podcast <sighs> because her last name just happens to be in the podcast name. And and we had forgotten to take our first sip because that's what I used to do for four seasons. Autumn, I took a first sip. Right. Sorry. And now all of a sudden, season five. We're taking last sips. The last sip. The last sip. So uh, raise your glasses uh, and let's take our last sip. Ah, that's good stuff right there. I'm still drinking Huge Warrior Coffee. Uh, and every, every podcast episode, we will, uh, we will uh, highlight them. They, I, I talked to Alan, as you all know. He was at the research tonight. Uh, and he, uh, he said that we will become official sponsors Oh, a conversation podcast. Mm-hmm. So slap a sticker on that and call it Sally. Sure, we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, That's the same. By the end of this podcast, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you're doing we'll fine. be golden. Yeah, uh, but officially a podcast, uh, and and so uh, officially a sponsor of the podcast. And I'm happy to say that you can go to WhosYourWarriorCoffee dot com to order some awesome coffee from them. Uh, found out today that their spooky blend. Uh, which is a pumpkin type coffee is, is is their most popular blend right now and will always be in production. So yay, you can try that out. All right, uh, or if you uh, don't want to drink any coffee, uh, we are also actually sponsored by Community Transformation Partners, the job in which I am employed at. Uh, <laughs> did that make sense? Did that was that the right sense?
1: This is a late night podcast. Yeah, this is nine o'clock at night, guys. Yeah. If I don't
0: make sense with my words, yeah, forgive it's okay. me. Um, but anyway, uh, Community Transformation Partners, which is a uh, ministry that deal that helps people transition out of rehab into a normal life, uh, and if you have questions about that, you can always email or, or comments from the podcast, Larry at communitytransformationpartners.org, or visit our website, communitytransformationpartners.org. All right, guys, uh, you want to sell yourself here, uh, Christina, with uh, with where you're working, and, and and if you have any veterans out there that need some help, who they can. Oh,
2: um, sure. (laughs) So uh, I work at uh, Work One, Indianapolis, and I am what's called the Disabled Veterans Outreach Program Specialist. Um, That's a really, really long title for basically I specialize in veterans and all veteran things, veteran issues that might be related to getting an employment. So uh, you can always stop by and see me or any of my five team members.
0: Yeah, awesome. And you can always email the show, and we can connect you pretty quickly. All right, Autumn, go ahead and promote yourself.
1: All right, shameless plug. Uh, If you're in the Brownsburg area, head on over to Energy Spot Brownsburg. We have meal replacement shakes. We have energy bombs and me. So (laughs) I'm pretty much always there come chat we can have a coffee and conversation with our protein coffee so yay
0: all right guys thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you for listening as always and as i like to end every show with peace love and soul.